0: Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits.
1: It's time for another show with your hosts Tim Ficararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Thank you for joining us for another episode of Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm Tim and we are glad you can join us as you're living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true, you can be more, do more, and have more. So hey, Tim.
0: What's going on? You know, your name could be Megatron. (laughs) We dropped the N. Just uh, mega and then add Tron.
1: Megatron. So that's actually a nickname that I had for a little while.
0: Because you're so big?
1: <laughs> no, because... Um, what
0: are you 4'7"? Four, seven?
1: <laughs>
0: four eight, I'm sorry. No,
1: there was kind of a running joke that I was a robot, but that's another story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so now I'm curious. You can't throw that out there and not... Uh,
1: no, so... Um, yeah, keep going. So when I... So... When I was still living in Michigan and Mike had moved out to Colorado, he kept telling everyone about his wife. And they were all like, we've never seen your wife. She can't be a real person. So then when I actually showed up the first time, they were like, whatever, she's a robot. So then I got the name Megatron. Robot. How? You... Because when I finally showed up, they're like, she's not a real person. You just had to make a robot to like oh, pretend I to be your wife. Get it?
0: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking it was because, like, I don't know, they were like, <laughs> you just showed up and we're just like, hello, oh, everybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then somehow uh, through like softball and other things, I I maintained that. So then it just became Tron. Tron. Yeah.
0: Check you out. I know that was a movie, wasn't it? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, <laughs> hey, since we're on this little vein of, um, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but we're on it. That was that was good. I mean, I thought I came up with a name for you. And you already had it, so I'm, I'm gonna come up with a new name. Well, you you already have little leprechaun.
1: I have a lot. Of names. You
0: are LL.
1: Yeah, I LL. like it. Mm-hmm. Little
0: leprechaun. Yeah. So, because that Irish, and you kind of bounce around <laughs> little dances. Not very big. Yeah, you're. Well, you're small.
1: Yeah. That's okay. Big personality.
0: You yeah. <laughs> it, it, you have you do you have a big yeah? Someone recently ran into you when you turn around, you're like, hey, <laughs> and they were like, uh. <laughs>
1: They're like, are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? I was like, yeah. Yeah, this
0: is how I am. I'm out and about. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a recent thing. But hey, check this out. You ready? This is a random question for you. Okay. So I just want you to imagine, okay, that this is not going to be sold anymore. Right? Whatever this is that you name. So what product would you seriously, like, I mean, seriously, stockpile if you found out they weren't going to sell it any longer?
1: A product I would stockpile
0: Yeah, like this is like You just found it was like Newsflash came on Like, so this is where the media Actually all works together And they Mm -hmm. all say, you know Breaking news, like everybody CNN, (laughs) NBC CNBC, Fox Like everybody, even ESPN (laughs) Like everybody Says this is not going to be sold Anymore, what would you want that product to be? And you would stockpile it
1: (laughs) See, there's so many there's so many things you could say. It doesn't matter. It's the (laughs)
0: one product that you'd say, if this came up, I'd have to definitely say I'd have to stockpile this.
1: Gum. Oh. It would be gum. So there's so many things. Like first I was like toilet paper, deodorant. I mean, there's a lot of like basically. I don't think they could ever not
0: stop. I mean, that's not gonna happen. It would
1: be gum. I have a serious gum. gum addiction. So
0: I've seen you chew gum.
1: I know. I chew I've heard you chew gum. Constantly.
0: Yeah, I've heard you. <laughs> you and a few other people that I know, when you guys chew gum, it's special. It's a special time.
1: But see, I'm that person. Everyone knows I always have gum with me. And if I don't, I have to, like, go buy it. So I, when I travel, I always take one or two extra packs of gum.
0: Oh, so it's not pieces. It's packs.
1: Oh, yeah. I have... <laughs> Do you not? I don't have like a pack a day habit or anything like that. <laughs> oh, so
0: do they not sell gum anywhere else?
1: No, because I so buy if it you're from going Co- some... I buy it from Costco in bulk. I don't like to buy oh. it cuz it's expensive if you buy it like from the grocery
0: store. Okay, got store. you. Or mm-hmm. a convenience store. Correct. So are you one of those people that if you were like, I don't know, you were traveling somewhere and you realized you're out of gum, would you make an an unplanned like stop? Yes. To buy gum. Yes. Like, so it's not using the restroom, no bathroom, not because people are hungry. You would say, if you felt the craving for gum, <laughs> would you make someone pull off knowing there's 18 more hours of driving possibly? No,
1: I wouldn't do it like that. But I would say, hey, when we get there, I need to stop and get <laughs> so some gum.
0: Would you fake that you had to use the restroom just so you can get some gum?
1: No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't do that? No. Okay, well.
0: Pretty good. Good question. Because if, if
1: they're committed to that long of a car trip with me, they're just gonna have to deal with whatever my breath smells <laughs> like.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 so hey, we had a great guest. Uh, oh my gosh, today. such a great guest, full uh, of energy, uh, Josh Allage, right?
1: Yeah, I know. A lot of people say they talk about kids and wanting to bottle that energy. I want to bottle his energy. It's incredible.
0: He was like a hummingbird. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> no. he was, he was like he had the energy. Like yeah. he got the just the good stuff mm-hmm. where those wings were going a yeah. thousand miles an hour, and I loved it.
1: Yeah, and it was really cool. One of the one of the coolest parts was, and we'll get to this. He talks about scheduling in uh, time to do things that reenergize him, and I can't imagine what he would be like n- not energized. So he, but great guest, uh, he is, um, an entrepreneur. He is all about serving others and, um, growing, growing a business through being a servant of others. And I think that's very cool.
0: And just to give information away too, which I liked, my big thing was, you know, so many people are afraid to, no, I think some things you got to keep to yourself, but he is like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to share, I'm going to talk, I'm going to tell, Because I want to help people, Mm -hmm. you know, get to where they want to go. And with that strong servant mindset, um, I feel like you can't do anything better than service Mm -hmm. and serving others. And, you know, most people are spending their time waiting to get and He's talking about giving.
1: Mm -hmm. So. I know you guys are going to love it. Uh, just a reminder, please go to iTunes and Stitcher. Remember to rate and review the show and also share it uh, with anyone that you know uh, needs a little bit of inspiration uh, or motivation. Um, you can also connect with us. You can follow us on Twitter at Uphill Convo. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Uphill Conversations. And you can always find us at our website, UphillConversations.co.
0: So Megatron, without any, <laughs> without any further delay, let's jump into this wonderful conversation with our friend, Josh Elledge.
1: Welcome to the show, Josh Elledge. How is everything going in your world?
2: Tim and Megan, I, well, listen, it was going pretty good. And then we, we're about to chat and now it's going really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been listening to your show. I love the chemistry, I love. I mean, you guys sound like like really, really. I mean, like the best radio talent you could am- possibly imagine. Like the energy you guys have, the chemistry you have. Um, it's, I'm I'm kind of uh, fangirling
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen. Well, in our pre chat, that's kind of I was feeling like when you were talking, I was like, I like him. <laughs>
1: well we i mean we have a lot of fun and i think that it helps that you know tim and i we have a lot in common in terms of the things how we view the world uh and as well as our our the things we love to do in business and you know we've both got kids so we just have a lot of fun and um we're so glad that you enjoy it
2: Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to be here.
1: Cool. Well, hey, Josh, why don't you just get us started and tell our listeners a little bit about your journey and how you're showing up?
2: Sure. So, you know, I would uh, joined the United States Navy right out of high school. And, um, you know, just and the reason why is I think I just wanted to be very, very self-reliant. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to say, you know what, I did this on my own. So, you know, rather than just relying on my parents for too long, I wanted to get out, do the hard things. And I served as a journalist for the United States Navy for five years and got some great experience with that. Got out, went into family science because I wanted to become a radio love doctor. <laughs> that was, that was my dream at the That's time. A cool name. But along <laughs> the way, while I was studying family science and and family therapy, I became really, really interested in internet development and ran a couple of uh, internet uh, companies of my own, eventually started a company called Savings Angel about 11 years ago. And when I launched Savings Angel, I really didn't have much money. I was in the process of losing a position um, where I was doing marketing for a network of uh, of law firms, uh, uh, but that was going away. And so instead of paying to advertise, I just used my journalism background, and I started working with local radio, local TV, local newspapers, and I tried to find ways that I could provide value to their audiences. And so I just, I served. And as a result of doing that, we were able to grow Savings Angel to a pretty good position. We've done about $6 million in revenue over the past 11 years, and, um, you know, the really Uh, amazing thing is that we've spent less than $500 in advertising. Everything we do is through service and giving and providing value to audiences, um, generally, largely through the media. And of course, now having had that experience, I started doing a lot of pro bono work. We live now here in Orlando, Florida. And so I started working with startups, kind of helping them, coaching, consulting, just, just all free, you know, just where can I provide value? And of course, that then led to invitations to do workshops and speaking and then paid consulting. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm kind of happy where I'm at. But I felt like, you know, it's like when you've been given certain experiences or you've kind of found your way into certain experiences and you know that there is otherwise a major challenge that's going on. And if I don't show up and I don't help out where where I have the experiences to do that, I've kind of I feel like I've kind of painted myself into a corner where I have a moral imperative to help other business owners do what I've been able to do. I don't need it for the money. I do it because it needs to be done, and I don't think that there are very many other people on the planet who can offer what I can offer them. So that's kind of what's pushed me in into this. So yeah, Upend PR we launched a couple of years ago, and and our mission is to turn digital entrepreneurs into media celebrities.
0: Uh, That's incredible. You know, the, the, I mean, there's a lot of rich stuff in that, what you said there, but, uh, I'm going to move backwards here, but the word, the word's moral imperative, like, whoa, um, that's a, you know, most people can't discover, uh, or they don't take the time to discover that type of recognition to something that is, you know, growing within them or resident within them to actually pursue Like what, when did you feel the concreteness or the weight of that burden for that moral imperative?
2: And I'll tell you, I've, I've felt it for quite a while, but the thing that held me back from that was, was fear, uh, was that, okay, you're just going to be one of those gurus who are, you know, selling this and that. And I, and I had some real hangups about that. I'll be honest with you, even though. I mean, on paper, I mean, obviously, I've been in the media over 1,500 times. I've generated millions and millions of dollars of revenue because of that media exposure. But yet I felt the imposter syndrome like everybody because I thought, well, I didn't technically go to school for public relations. So who am I to start dispensing public relations wisdom? (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. amazing how that, you know, how we can let fear rob us. From those um those things that we feel called to do, and um but I, I you know, I just got to the point where I said, I, I, look, and it was somebody asked me who said, you know, look, think of the number of people on the planet who can do what you do, who have had that experience, who have had that success, who have the know-how and are willing to teach. there's just not that many and, and basically, you have to do this. You have to do this if you really want to, you know, just forget about the apprehension or the fear of judgment, which is really what it was, was that, uh, you know, PR people were going to see what I was doing and they were going to be like, how dare
0: you, sir? Right. <laughs> this right. is a private club for members only. Right, yeah. right, right. You know, in- you know, you speak. you know you speak of it as like the fear was actually this fear of judgment, you know, and this yes. imposter syndrome and all this stuff. I find that interesting because you joined the Navy and you said, you know, one of the things that you wanted to be self-reliant, yeah. How much do you feel like that's played a part, though, in where now, you know, journalism is just the channel or your vis-a-vis. That's how you express. You know what I mean? you're mm-hmm. you're able to this moral imperative um with this self-reliance, and I feel like that—that that is also something that you're handing over to those that you serve. But how much of a part did that self-reliance help or aid you um, as it moved forward and collected up this moral imperative? And that's where it turns into for the for the world that you're, you know, currently serving or the people that you're serving. Like, how much of that? How much of that came into play, or how did you build on that, taking self-reliance and then moving it forward? I feel like I'm in therapy right now. You guys are
2: (laughs) talking about some dots that you just connected for me. So with Savings Angel, our whole mission is to help consumers cut their grocery bill in half and be empowered. And the real reason I mean it is. It's I want other people to be reliant and be able to overcome the otherwise influence that may be out there that says. You know, you have to buy our thing and you have to pay this amount of money. Um, You know, our mission at Savings Angel is to help people uh, get the deals, the upgrades, the hookups, and be able to kind of look beyond all the glitzy marketing. So I became a consumer advocate and advocating for the empowerment of consumers. And Upend PR is very much that same way where I'm now uh, advocating for the empowerment of business owners who. I'm going to use some strong language and I'm going to ask for the uh, – not swear words, but I'm going to ask for the uh, (laughs) – I'm going to apologize to my PR friends out there. But I feel like that the current system for public relations can be a little bit of a racket. Uh, There are some very good people out there, um, but I think systemically – there are some challenges where, you know, a startup who has a very lean budget is now faced with a $20,000 budget uh, to contract a decent PR firm. But at the end of that engagement, they have nothing to show for it. That happens far too often. And, and that's the kind of thing, Tim and Megan, that, that it, it really fuels me and, and, and it really drives definitely my passion. But almost like I, I'm almost angry Well, I'm not, I am, I'm angry that this happens and it doesn't need to because I figured out a way to be able to do my own media. And I believe that I can inspire other people just by doing some, the right activity, having the right mindset. They too can build their own platform.
1: And Josh, I really appreciate that perspective. So I spent a good bit of time uh, in previous career and still doing some of it in the marketing and advertising world. And I think there is that mystery or that veil that's held over PR that it's like, well, if you aren't connected and you don't know how to pitch something it can be very intimidating to those to those businesses getting out there so i think i think that that is is really interesting and i i really like your your approach to that but you talk about this idea of being an advocate, of giving and serving, and that being tied to feeling this this call to help people because there's this major challenge. You believe you can help them and they can benefit from what you have to offer, this idea of empowering others. So putting that all out there, but then there's also that simultaneous need as you're growing a business and being an entrepreneur yourself, that there has to be a sell. There has to be something, there has to be an exchange. So you can give a lot, but at some Mm -hmm. point there does have to be an exchange because there is value in what you have to offer and to put out there. So how do you... How do you balance those two things while trying to grow your business organically? How do you find that right balance between giving and also needing to sell?
2: Sure. I will say that I personally lean, you know, in terms of like walking that line, I lean on the edge of or on the side of probably giving away way more than most, well, I know way more than my peers because they don't give away anything. The only thing they give away are sales calls, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, what's well, much like you guys. I mean, the, the amount of work that you put into the show is just, you know, again, I'm a podcaster myself. I listen to your show. There's a lot of prep and a lot of work that goes into this program. And it's, 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 it comes down to a conscious decision that we made because when, and initially when I started upend PR, I thought, okay, well, everyone's talking about e-courses. I've done e-courses before. I've helped some clients with e-courses. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to teach people how to do PR. And I'm going to put that in a video course and, and that'll be the business. And, you know, along the way, I'll also be doing lots of free content as well. I'll be honest. It felt inauthentic for me. Because I looked at the content that I was giving away for free and I looked at the content that I was selling in terms of information and I thought, you know, there's, yes, it's organized, but it, it kind of feels like the same level of value when I show up and I do an interview or I'm on stage, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the guy on stage who says, well, if you want the good stuff, you got to pay for that. So we actually made the conscious decision to say, you know what, we are no longer selling information, and um, this is just for me. So for those, you know, who are listening, this are like, I sell information. That's great. That's awesome. You know, for me, I just looked at the value of the content we were giving away in our blog and everywhere else, and I said, look, anything that is information related, we're just going to give it away. And so we took our twelve hundred dollar e course. We now give it away for free. I. When I do long form articles in our blog, when I show up on stage or otherwise, I answer every, there is nothing I hold back. And this is a really great PR strategy as well, because, and I run into this where people will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I have like a few minutes on TV and let's say someone gets the opportunity to be on like good morning America. It's a great example. You would not. And let's say that you normally perform on Broadway and you have a Broadway show and you get the opportunity to perform on good morning America. Would you say, Ooh, well, these guys didn't pay for a ticket, so I'm gonna kinda hold back a little bit because I only give my best performance for my paying customers. Absolutely not. You wouldn't do that because you have the chance of a lifetime to perform in front of a new audience with good people who may never buy your thing, but they may buy, they may want to uh, find ways that they can do business with you. They may introduce you to opportunities that you could do business together. Uh, All of our business right now, it's, it's all either someone saw me, heard me somewhere, or they were referred by somebody. I don't, again, with up NPR, we don't have to do any advertising. We serve and we continue to serve and it just naturally takes care of itself. Can I share one, one other thing on this? Yeah. As a business owner, when you wake up and your first thought is, who am I going to sell to today? Okay. And I know what that's like. I know when you're, you know, money's tied, trust me, I know that full and well, You you have to move beyond that. Find other ways to take care of the money because that's a tough way to build a business. If, however, you can wake up in the morning and you say, who do I get to serve to today? I'm telling you that life is just so easy and business just starts to grow on its own. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. You have to put your effort into it. You have to attract teams. You have to attract lots of people and enroll them in your vision. But if you will do that and you will focus on just serving when and wherever you can, the money will take care of its own. It will take care of itself. At Up PR, I mean, we do serve, we have services, and those services are very much uh, based on value-based pricing. So uh, I'm very, very comfortable. What we charge is one-tenth what most PR firms charge. So I'm good.
0: <laughs> I'm good with what we charge. No, that's, that's great. You know, and, um, it's interesting because I love how you said conscious decision earlier. You know, you said yeah. we make, a, we've made the the conscious decision and it sounds like that's, you know, where, you know, you stand. Uh, you know, Megan and I, one of the things is, you know, I, I've been known to say all the time, I grew my own competition and that is because Ooh. you know i give things away i stand on the stage i've been known like there are literally literally there have been times that i've been talking about something and like my staff or team members or partners are looking at me like what are you doing you t-. Yeah. but but it, here's the thing it's like first of all they can't do it like i do you know That's it, right. there's a difference between duplication and replication right? But also at the end of the day, what matters most to me? It's the thing that I could say, if I can help somebody, that's what I'm going to do. And, that's right. a- and my success is not predicated on my secrecy. Mm-hmm. Y- y- you know what I mean? Boy, do I love that. Yeah. So yeah. I-, I know that, hey, I want to be open. I want to live a life in the open. So I, I just kind of wanted to follow up on that with you to say, we totally understand that and just putting it out there for people and letting them grab a hold of it. At the end of the day, people are going to want to talk to you anyway, hopefully. And if not, yep. and that you talk to someone else, well, good. I just helped the economy grow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So, and I, I got into a Twitter discussion with someone who said, you know, why on earth
2: would you give away your content? Because then people could steal it. I'm like, go ahead. I'm going to keep on innovating because w- the, what I'm sharing with you is based on my experience I'm going to continue to evolve. I'm going to continue to find new ways to make things more efficient and, and and more impactful for people. So, you know what? If people take my ideas, that's fantastic. That means that I'm creating more of an impact on the world. Now I've just created, uh, you know, lieutenants and generals out there uh, who are sharing my philosophy. My mission is not to grow another multi-million dollar business, although that's already kind of on its way. Um, My mission is to change an industry and I don't care how that gets done, but it has to get done.
0: And that's what my role is. And that's a rightfully so that needs to happen, right? So the conscious decision thing, this is great because your mindset comes from something internal. And so I'm a big mind person. So I love studying the mind, how it works and things like that. Decisions, how people grow up, their biases, uh, environments, all of that stuff. And the interesting part, as you said, it's a conscious decision, right? Um, And I believe what we have to, most people don't realize is most decisions are made in the subconscious mind. In the subconscious is where people make decisions because it's based on their experiences and what they've cataloged to be true. What's cool about what you're saying is is you've had this inside you internally enough. You've internalized enough. You have enough evidence to move forward that when your auto-suggestion kicks in, like so when you're standing on a stage and you're about to give the big reveal where Mm -hmm. most people wouldn't do it. It's because you've come to terms with something that's inside of you that says, this actually is better off coming out of my mouth yes. than it is staying put deep down in the deep recesses of you know my subconscious self. So most people are taking and making decisions. They don't even realize it. Most of the decisions, as I said, are made in the subconscious mind. It's in the subconscious of the person. I love that you're saying that the things that you're doing – are from a conscious decision, so my question to you is this: When did you realize that that decision to be so forthcoming, so open, so direct, so clear, so willing to give? is there a time or a point in your life where you realize that that all kicked in for you?
2: yeah, it was it was the time that I was kind of getting raked over the coals uh, by PR professionals. and I thought, you know what there there's an inherent sense of um, you know, again, this wanting to advocate for and, and help other people. I don't like seeing people taken advantage of. and And when I see that happen, I cannot stand by. I have to do something about it. And so this was, yes, this was uncomfortable for me. But when I spent $25,000 on PR and had next to nothing to show for it. And then I had conversations with other people who also spent tens of thousands of dollars in PR and had nothing to show for it. I said, this has to change. It's uncomfortable for me. I'm, I'm, you know, look, I've got a good life with savings angel, but we need to fix this. This is a major, major problem. And God bless me with the opportunity. You know, he's blessed me with the skills. He blessed me with, you know, the experience and the ability. I feel again, I don't have a choice. It's like, I don't have a choice in the matter. My, you know, it's already been revealed to me. Now I just need to take, you know, I, you know, just take one step at a time and the staircase will reveal itself to me.
1: And Josh, as you're telling that story and even talking about what really motivated you and that moment when it really kicked in, uh, all I kept thinking of was there was just something that was out of alignment with you. There mm-hmm. was something that just didn't fit with you. It didn't align with your values and and your view of the world. And. I think it's great because it just shows you had this deep sense of I this isn't in alignment with me that I'm not being authentic. And I think that I can really bring something of value if if I can create something that's in alignment with me. So so I'm curious about something. And then so. As you're traveling, you're speaking, you're talking. You have so much energy, and you're talking about all these different people that you're meeting and being introduced in these relationships. How do you remain authentic in those relationships? And mm-hmm. how do you how do you maintain those relationships when you've got so much to focus on? Do you ever get to a point where you just feel really spread thin?
2: Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely, and 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 we do need to be. Protective of ourselves. And so the only way that that I believe that you can overcome that is you have to say no to a lot of opportunities. And what I prefer to do is just surround yourself with more people. So, for example, I've put myself in a position and and this is very deliberate as well, is that with my work. We we started going in the direction of becoming a traditional PR agency, and I said again, this is out of alignment. We are not going to change an industry if we're operating as a traditional agency. Even though, we, yeah, we are doing do, doing things differently, we're still competing with PR. Instead, we need to come up with something that's completely blue ocean, and that's that's really what we focused on. Now, I, I share that just simply because what this now allows me to do is that when there's an opportunity for me to show up and bring value. That doesn't always have to be me personally. It can be certainly my team, you know, something that we've created a a smarter way of doing that. Uh, I love just making connections and making referrals. You know what? That sounds great. Sounds like you need someone, you know, a little bit more traditional in PR. Let me make, I know lots a great PR people. Let me make some recommendations there. These, you know, these people are straight shooters. They're not going to, you know, rake you over the coals. Um, unfortunately like some others will. So, um, but you're right. Um, I, I, and this is a challenge for me because I, I have that FOMO like a lot of other people have mm-hmm. where I just don't want to miss out on something. And, but yet I have to force myself to turn down things that, man, would I love to do. I'd love to, you know, I was talking with uh, someone on Saturday who teaches stand-up comedy. And I thought, man, that would be so much fun. I took a year of improv. I would love to be able to do that again. Uh, you know, I just, I can't do it right now. It's not my season. So we have to operate in the seasons of life. And right now for me, this is kind of a, this is still kind of a summer season for me, you know, where the crops are real. you know, the, 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 the fields are really starting to fill in. This is really exciting, but I am in no way at that season where I can say, okay, uh, I can kind of rest on my laurels. I need to stay absolutely focused right now. I'm, I'm tr- too driven by my mission.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I guess I'm a little bit curious, too, because you talk about surrounding yourself with great people. And uh, I've I've been an entrepreneur now for uh, three or four years. And um, in my challenges, just re- making those realization that that you need to scale. And yeah. it gets to the point where you realize, man, I can't do everything on my own. And as much as I would love to touch all these different parts of the business or give more back to the community, it's realizing that you have to surround yourself with good people. So Mm -hmm. what was the biggest challenge for you uh, when you realized that you had to make that move from starting a business to scaling and growing? And what did you look for in those people that, that you brought on?
2: Sure. So with with both with Savings Angel and now Upend PR, I've been very, very thoughtful about investments. And, you know, when I make those financial investments, and I'll be honest, sometimes, you know, when you look at a consultant or you look at a mentor and you look at the financial investment that's attached to that, it can feel a little scary. And I get that. And I, you know, I continue to make a lot of investments because I want to build the business that's that scales. And so for the person who's listening to our conversation and thinking, you know, I've had some opportunities. I would really love to make those investments, but it feels scary because that's my profit right there. And that's, you know, what I'm using to maybe pay some bills or, or that sort of thing. And I want you to be very thoughtful and methodical about how you do that. But it it does require that you make investments that put you outside your comfort zone and that you expand the team. You have to. It's like you have to grow the aquarium before the—it's like, it's like you know, with a tree, you know, you plant a tree in a pot. Well, you transplant it uh, bef- before it grows to that next height. Y- you have to increase the size of the pot or increase the size of the aquarium if you want the fish to grow. They're just not going to grow beyond the system that you've built. And I mean, again, I get that apprehension. Um, but it's I have to force myself to do that. And when I'd much rather take a little bit more profit, um, I know it's the smart thing to do is is invest not just in in my dreams, in my mission, but to surround myself with a team where I can really uh, create their dream as well. Their dream is to have an amazing opportunity where they can work from home and they can have an impact on people's lives. Well, that's only going to happen, um, you know. If I bring them on board, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. they could, or else they could do it on their own or whatever. But I, I, I mean, I love having a team of of amazing people because now you can do ten times what you were able to do before. Solopreneurs, it listen, it's hard to scale a business if if it's just you and a VA. It's really, really, really hard. But if you start filling in and you're like, look, is it is it at all possible that I could hire someone to do this task? Then go ahead and do it. Um, and you should focus, and again, and as business owners, we need to be focusing on one thing, and that is growing the business. And of course, you know, kind of Michael Gerber stuff is like, don't work in your business, work on your business. And you know, philosophically, I believe that the two best ways that you can grow your business are to, and again, this is coming from me from the PR angle, right? is to ne- number one, network with influencers. and number two, serve large audiences. And if you'll do those two things, and you raised kind of the, um, the, the influence level of those with whom you associate with, they, you know, it's like high influence people like have launches and they're always super successful because they network with lots of other high influential people. So when they launch someone, they just call on all their buddies and sure enough, it's always successful. And so if you want that kind of result, you just kind of have to work your way up to, um, to, to getting to that level. And of course, you know, I've been talking about serving audiences this whole conversation.
0: That's really good. I mean, that's, I mean, serving to me and in, in, it's not just serving, but intentionally doing so, you know, a lot of people accidentally find their ways into it. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I was serving, you know, but I mean, waking <laughs> up every day saying I'm, I'm here to serve. Um, I feel like that has, a lot more shelf life. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it it's like even when we do this show, like all of the work we do um, in our, our business where we lead some extraordinary teams, we get to coach people of successful organizations, you know, that a billion-dollar company to multi-million-dollar companies that, you know, our big thing is everything we do, we want it to have a shelf life. And we wake up every day thinking of them. Even if they have what we don't have, it doesn't matter or if we have what the person that we're working with doesn't have we treat it all the same there is no priority like one person over another so i i love that attitude um and- You know, I'm a big capacity person, so I believe in leadership capacity. um, I'm into emotional capacity, all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's one of the things I love to bring out in coaching sessions with clients. Um, But, you know, something that comes to my mind is like, you know, with you, what gives you the energy? Because emotional capacity is very important. What energizes you and refreshes you? Um, and, and, you know, as far as, you know, it's easy to find the things that deplete you, right? It's very easy, but what are the things that energize you? And my second part of that question is what do you do to make sure that they are within your reach or proximity in order to get to them relatively quickly and with ease? I
2: feel, I mean, Tim, you know, when you're in the zone, right? You know what that feels like, and you know how that charges you, when you just complete that work, like if I have, and I would imagine you have the same experience that I have. It's like, when you are doing what, like, you feel like, man, I am on the earth to do this thing. Like maybe it's a a consulting call with someone. And, and afterwards you're like, it's like, I don't even know where that advice came from. It was, it was like almost other. Worldly, right, you know, how that one plus one equals three kind of thing happened, or just like you just felt inspired to share something in that moment and you saw those light bulbs all click on. I mean, that absolutely fuels me. But that said, you, you know, it's like I, I have also had to force myself to turn the uh, turn uh the turn the switch off. <laughs> I have to have that time away. And and it's really tough. And I, and I know that are a lot of entrepreneurs who really struggle with this, you know, of always being in hustle mode. Um, but you know, you will, I promise you that if you take that, if you schedule that time away and you don't think about work, you just think about being in the present and being in the now and enjoying the moment, you know, being around kids or being around loved ones or friends or family and, don't think about the future, don't think about the past, but just enjoy now. There's something really really powerful about that that when I get done with that day, sometimes uh, sometimes admittedly, you know, it's like, oh, "Okay, now I got to get back into the grind." Uh but I just feel like so much better. You absolutely I will. I will burn out if I try to, you know, do 14-hour days every day, 7 days a week. It's just I just don't I just don't have, I don't think anybody has that capacity to do that. And uh, so it's one thing I've had to experiment
0: with. Yeah. I mean, it's not sustainable yeah. and yeah, it's not sustainable. And, and, and you have to, and I love, I love everything that you said. That's great. What about proximity? What do you do to make sure that those are right nearby and they're, they're readily available and you have ease of access to those, you know, things that add to your energy? Well, I've got three
2: kids. Um, and so they're always <laughs> nearby for sure. So that helps out a lot. And I'm sure
1: you they doing? have a lot of energy too yeah. for you. So
2: yeah, yeah. So th- they're fantastic. You know, I, I I'm, I'm in love with my wife and we've been married for 22 years. And so she's generally pretty accessible, you know, thank goodness with, you know, technology, I can exchange a message with her or any of my kids, and you know, just kind of be connected to the things that uh, that I love the most. And uh, you know, in my schedule, I schedule fun. I I put it in my and I block it off in my calendar. And and I know that I have to block that off a couple of times a week at the at the minimum. Of you know what? Um, I'm gonna just you know from one o'clock on, I'm cutting loose. And I see in my schedule, it's immovable. Nothing is going to get in the way of that, and um, so I, I guess I, I, Tim, am I answering your question? Because I, I, you're you're really causing me to. I'm doing some deep thinking here myself and <laughs> talking about accessibility of those things that, that no, cause me to. No, you're answering me I
0: mean, I feel like your answer is you schedule it. You know, and that's what I try to tell people. If you if yeah. you would ask most people about their day and they can give you a whole list of everything they do, right? But mm-hmm. if you ask them a second question and say, so ask them, say, hey, what would tell me about your day? And then they'll tell you, all right, list that whole day out for me. They list it out. And then you say, now, I want you to treat those as a priority that you say is a Mm non-negotiable. So now, if you were to look at this as a day, schedule it for me. Schedule this in a a 24-hour period. Show me Mm -hmm. what that looks like. Most people have, everything is a priority. When you make a list, everything can become a priority. Mm -hmm. Yes. But until you schedule them, and you answered it, you scheduled, like you said, fun, that is what your day needs to look like. Whether it is work, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's recreation, it does not matter. People need to learn to schedule the priorities. In other words, you will not be on my calendar if you are not a priority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that is the proximity question that most people will not take the time to answer. You answered it very well. Mm-hmm. You're, ah, it's thank very you. Clear. Good, good, good. <laughs> Cause I do know, I will tell you that if I
2: don't consciously block that off, uh, either like physically on my Google calendar or otherwise, I won't do it. I'm just going to stay in my regular mode. And my regular mode is just to work, 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 work. (laughs) So, you know, as a a son of uh, a father who was a very, very hardworking, you know, blue collar guy, great work ethic, you know, it's just, it's just ingrained in me.
1: And I think that that uh, even going along with that scheduling fun, as, as someone who uh, is actively trying to create that balance because you know that you're going and doing things on the weekend. You don't have a traditional nine to five schedule. So you have to find those times where you can do things that energize you. And that might be spending time with your kids. Maybe it's taking them to a movie. Maybe it's three o'clock in the afternoon. And the thing is, you don't have to tell anyone that. You can just say, hey, I have a prior commitment and Mm -hmm. stick with it. And I think so many times you feel this pressure that I have, I have to get this done right now, but I think it's mm. also important to remember I need this energy and this time yes. that I know is going to help refresh me and it's going to help refill my tank.
2: Oh my gosh, Megan, that's brilliant.
1: <laughs> Thank you. All
2: right. So how do I hire you guys? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk offline. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Good, good, good.
1: <laughs> um, so I, as you know, uh, this show is called uphill conversations and we talk a lot about, you know, your current condition doesn't match your emerging future and everything worth having in life is uphill, but you can't go uphill with downhill habits. So I would love it, Josh, if you could share with us a recent uphill challenge that you faced.
2: You know, uh, how, how re- I, I've got some big, big challenges that, that I've overcome, um, I one of them, well, so so we did a full, I'll, I'll give you something really recent, um, is that at the beginning of this year, uh, I had, someone had done one of those silly things on Facebook, We're like, okay, everybody share your New Year's resolution. And I'm like, you know, I'm just not a New Year's resolution <laughs> yeah. kind of guy. I I'm a generally whole life resolution, am committed. Right? I'm pretty motivated. Uh, I, I'm going to do it. But I'll be honest, there are things that are still scary for me. And one of those things that I thought, okay, I'm going to do it, you know, and then she specifically said, but you need to put like a stretch. And so I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to fill the room with my own full day event. And several people were like, whoa, you know, go for it. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what I just signed (laughs) up for here, but, and I have no idea how that thing is going to get done. Well, I had... Applied to, I'd spoke at this conference before, and I applied to speak at it uh, this year, and I got a rejection letter, and it was, I was, you know, again, I, I'm like, you know, I, I understand the reason why they had like, you know, like 400 applicants, and they wanted to rotate through some uh, new people. I said, that's that's fine, uh, but then I was kind of stuck with, well, how am I going to go to this conference and? you know, how can I bring more value? Like, what can I do? Because it's, it's, this is weird. It's like, I go to, when I go to a conference, it is weird for me to just go and be an attendee. I can't do it. Like when I go to conference, it's like, I'm a kid in a candy store. Oh my gosh, look at all the, look at all these people. I know I could be providing a lot of value. And so I just, I just go into like talking to as many people as I can and, and provide service. But in this case, I thought, okay, you know what? I am going to do a full day conference and it's scary because it's a financial investment it's also an investment of if i do this thing and only 20 people show up or less that's going to be a little embarrassing right i would i don't want that to happen and so what i did is i i just kind of declared an intention i i just said here's the money i'm in and I don't know how it's going to get done, but I'm going to do it. So we created the Fame and Profit Lab as a full day event, and I started asking lots of other people uh, if they would help me with that, and and uh, looked for speakers uh, who would also, you know, be able to provide a lot of value from the stage and help with a little bit of the promotion, that sort of thing, and. It worked out, Um, you know, again, it's kind of scary when you're uh, still a month out and only, you know, 40 people have registered, uh, you know, in that final month, of course, doing an event, that's when most people get serious about stuff. And so we ended up having more than 80 people register, which filled the room. And it was very, very successful. And it proved to me now that it can be done. And so now I'm looking, I'm like, okay, it worked once. You know, let's just kind of repeat that formula and let's do it again. It's like, you know, someone who has not yet earned a million dollars and they think, oh my gosh, a million dollars. That just seems so far out of, you know, reach and, and, or to do it in one year. And it's really not because a million dollars a year is just 83, uh, dollars a month. And again, that still sounds like a lot, but when you have a lot of people who are working together, concentrated and focused on this one thing, It's really not that difficult today. That's $2,700 a day, which again, sounds like a lot if you're only thinking as a solopreneur. But if you have a team of 15, 20 people, you know, the the, the 30 people plus lots and lots and lots of partners, you can get it done. Um, Running a marathon, you know, that's one thing that was on my bucket list, did that too. And it's just like, you you have to commit to the thing and then you'll figure it out and and then you'll do it. So with this one day event, um, it worked. Uh, and
0: that was quite a, it was a scary challenge for me, even today. <laughs> I love that. That's what I do with people when they sit there, they, they lose a job or something. And they're like, you know, they, but they say, Hey, I want to start my own business. And the first thing is, is, you know, I ask them, you know, what's your reasons for doing it? But then once we get through that and then they go, you know, but, Oh, but gosh, I need to make this much money. And then they mm-hmm. give me a number, like, you know, hundred thousand dollars a year. And it, it feels so unattainable and I, or mm-hmm. insurmountable to them. And I say, Well, let's break this down and do the math, you know, Mm -hmm. and when you break it down into months, you know, into weeks and into a day and then you show them how if they schedule priorities and do all the things they do and and then build the right network or team around them, then they sit there and go, wait a second. Why am I thinking $100,000? And I say exactly. Pick a number and then multiply it by two because one is too small of a number to accomplish anything of, of, of any significance or value. Yeah. So that's what I try to get them to do is say, so multiply it. So if you can get two, you know what I mean? Just start multiplying. Then you'll think differently and you'll bring a new way of thinking into your awareness to select better partners and even think about it. So I love what you're sharing. I think it's great. And that's a great way to look at stuff. And, um, you know, unfortunately it's, it's, um, most people are, Um, you know, they die from diagnosis, you know what I mean? And um, Mm. they, they need to understand that there's more to it. Don't let the diagnosis of something, you know, don't kill your potential based on what you feel the diagnosis is saying, well, I lost this. Well, what did that make possible? So instead of looking at what you lost, why don't you say, hey, what did this now just make possible for me? So change the way you think about it. And that's what it sounds like you've done. And I love it, man. That's awesome. I love what you're sharing. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, um, how would you like our listeners to get in touch with? What's your favorite channels or avenues that our listeners, our audience are able to say, let me go check this guy out? Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm big on the Twitter. I, matter of fact, I just, as of when we're recording this, I just hit uh, 40,000 followers. And uh, that's like, that's cool. I mean, that's like, that's really exciting. And so if I shared anything and I'll just make this offer, if I shared anything in this conversation that you thought, Hey, that was, that was actually pretty insightful. Uh, please share it and then tag me and I will retweet it to my, uh, all my followers on Twitter. And generally most people, when I make this offer, generally they find themselves with an extra hundred or so new followers. If, if you're otherwise sharing good stuff on Twitter. So again, just tag me. I'm at Josh Elledge, and you're welcome to follow me as well, um, but I would be honored to retweet your tweet of what you heard in this conversation that was valuable for you. And then, of course, anyone who says, well, I'd love to learn more about that. it's all f- I've, th- There's so much free stuff on my site uh, that you're going to be so empowered to be able to become a king or queen of all media and uh, including our $1,200 e-course. So you just go to PR dot com and then click on become a member and right up at the top, the first option is our free membership level. and for a lot of people, I recommend that's where you start and I will teach you free of charge and uh, you know if, again if you get value, uh, you're welcome to share that with a friend.
1: Well Josh, thank you so much uh, for giving all that wonderful information. We definitely encourage our listeners to go and check you out um, and just thank you again for spending so much time with us today.
2: My pleasure, and Thank you so much.
1: So this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations where we remind you that your current condition does not match your emerging future and everything worth having in life is uphill, but you can't go uphill with downhill habits. Remember, you can be more, do more, and have more. And most importantly, you will see me, Tim, and Josh on the Hill.
0: You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at UphillConversations.co. See you on the hill.